0: You ever feel like you're in a spiritual battle uh, in your life? Well, let me let you in on a secret. You are, daily. We truly are at war. There is an enemy that is trying to sow lies into our lives. As we started this series, Camouflage, last week, that's really what we're talking about, is the lies that are uh, out there that are camouflaged that we swallow as truth so often. And we're looking at... uh, the enemies of our soul for this series. Last week we started and we talked about the devil, the deceiver, Satan. And here's what I believe. Uh, Satan is a real being created by God that uh, rebelled against God and that he is actively trying to destroy our lives. And the chief means in which he uses is lies. He is truly the father of lies. He is constantly sowing lies into our lives and into our world. And we have to learn how to combat these lies of the enemy and combat them with truth. Because the lies that Satan uses, they're clever, they're cunning, they are deceptive. He truly is the ultimate deceiver. And the goal of this series is to help us overcome those lies of Satan. Uh, The lies of uh, of Satan, the flesh, and the world, those three enemies of our, our soul, as I said last week. And... And I'm going with the assumption here as we start this series that uh, I'm talking to believers, number one. Some of you are not, and that's fine as well. But here's uh, one assumption is that I believe the Bible is truth. Now, I, some of you may not believe that, and that's fine. Uh, but that may be something that you are wrestling with. What is truth? Now, as Christians, we believe the Bible is truth. And that's an assumption that I'm going to make as I kind of go through the sermon today. And it's okay if you don't believe the Bible is truth, uh, but I'd love the opportunity to sit down with you and talk about that. It's just that we don't have time and context right now to go into that discussion. But we're starting with this idea that the Bible is truth. And when we talk about Satan, uh, we too often fall for his lies. And the reason why is because we know... Uh, the best lies have an element of truth to them. We rarely fall for the lies that are outlandish or easily disclaimed, right? Uh, for example, you you know, you, you might have heard, you, you might not realize this, that uh, our government officials are really aliens in skin suits and that they've been slowly taking over the world and the United States since the 1960s. Or that Elvis is still alive and living in a nursing home against his will, or that Tupac Uh, wasn't really murdered. He's still alive and he's waiting to release uh, the greatest album of his career once COVID has died down. Or that the moon landing was an outlandish government ploy. Or speaking of moon landings, that the Nazis sent up a a rocket to the moon at the tail end of World War II and there's a, a, a colony of Nazis living on the dark side of the moon waiting to come back and take over the world. Now if You thought I believed those lies, you would think I'm crazy. You would question my grasp on reality. Why? Because those uh, claims are easily discredited. It doesn't take much research to discredit all of those claims. See, we, we rarely fall for the blatant, outlandish lies. Satan is much better at telling lies. He uses innuendo and half-truth and assumptions. He tries to question our identity and who we are, and he wraps those lies in a candy-coated shell so that they're easier to swallow. That's the way Satan works. And so it takes some some skill to help uh, sift through what are lies, what is deception, and what is truth. And one of the lies that we often fall for Is that our truth is different from your truth. That you have your own truth and we have our own truth. And that there is no absolute truth. But as a Christian, I believe that God has given us absolute truth. That the Bible is truth. And that God is the creator of truth. And we have to learn what is true and what is false. But when we live lies... then our minds, our bodies, our spirit, our whole being struggles to thrive in the world. And I believe that as humans, we want to thrive. But for us to truly thrive, we have to live truth over lies. As someone said, uh, the truth of gravity does not bend to our beliefs, right? If you try to question gravity, you're going to get hurt uh, one way or another. There is truth. So let's, as we kind of dive into this uh, idea of truth and lies, I want to hit one of those hot topics that uh, we, uh, that is in our culture right now, and that's human sexuality. Human sexuality is a big uh, topic. This is an area where the enemy has thrived. And I believe the church has failed in doing a good job of combating this lie. Uh, right now, And I'm, I'm talking to those who call themselves a Christian, those who follow the Bible as truth, who are seeking after God's truth. And, and I'm not trying to tell the rest of the world how to live. That's not my goal right now. I can't control the world out there, and I'd be foolish to think that I could. Uh, It's the job, truly, of the Spirit of God to reveal truth, to convict of sin. It's my job, really, today, to help those who call themselves Christians or disciples of Christ to see the lies that uh, our world has fallen for and that the enemy is sowing into our lives every day, and many Christians fall for these lies as well. Again, looking at the issue of human sexuality, In today's world, almost anything goes, right? Uh, Why is that? That's the question I ask. Has the sexual revolution made us better as humans? Are we thriving more as humans now that we've gone through this sexual revolution? Uh, That's the question I wanna ask. To me, it doesn't seem like we're better off now than in the past, but the world is telling the lie that we are, Uh, and let's take a look at some of, of, of history and look at some of these big ideas that have become normalized in our world. And again, I, I remind you, I've, other than the Bible, I'm taking part of this discussion from a great book by John Mark Comer entitled "Live No Lies." And so he has this conversation as well in his book. Encourage you to read it and pick it up. But if we go back some odd sixty years to the 1960s, when we kind of had this sexual revolution, we received the beginning of this sexual revolution that. I believe, has had a catastrophic effect on our culture. Moral standards that we held for many years began to be jettisoned for new morals. We began to separate sex from marriage, and promiscuity, which isn't a new thing, began to be accepted as normal, where before it was always seen in a negative light. And then we have the advent of Abortion on demand, which separated sex from procreation. And then we had this thing called no-fault divorce, where before uh, divorce was a, a big deal. And now with no-fault divorce, it has wrecked the idea of marriage as a covenant. And we see that has had its effect on culture. And, and these cultural upheavals have created in today kind of a hookup culture, where it doesn't matter who you sleep with, sleep with. And currently we have moved into this LGBTQ plus uh, revolution that we're currently living in. And, and let me be clear, I'm not speaking against people, but against culture and ideas. And I know that's hard to separate, and that's a tough one to separate. But now we're living in a transgender culture as well, and we're moving into beyond transgender into a polyamory culture in which relationships are no longer just between two people, Uh, Male, female, male, male, female, female. But we're now moving into a culture where more than two people are in relationships. You can even have animals or inanimate objects. And, And the question that we have to ask is this. Does this make us a better people? Are we thriving in ways in which we should be thriving? Does this make us a better society? Has this revolution made people happier? Are we thriving in ways that we weren't before the sexual revolution? That's the question I want to ask. And the world would say, yeah, of course we are. But it doesn't take long for just a quick search of scientific research to reveal these lies that the world has camouflaged. These lies that we we can't see. And just, you know, happiness levels since the 1960s have been in decline. Now, we can't directly connect happiness levels with the sexual revolution, but we don't see happiness levels increasing because of the sexual revolution. And studies continually show that divorce is traumatic uh, for children of all ages and is directly tied to children having a harder time to develop intimate relationships, healthy relationships later in life. Uh, they, They are having a hard time making healthy attachments. That is scientific study. Studies continue to show that those who live together before marriage are less likely to marry, are more likely to get a divorce if they do marry, and often develop long-term trust issues. In spite of the fact that the world constantly says, and I talk to couples all the time that say, we want to live together before marriage to make sure we're compatible. That's the world's lie. But it's a lie. Uh, And studies of chemical reactions that we have during sex show that the more sexual partners we have, the less capacity our body has for intimacy, in spite of what the world would say. Studies on women who have had an abortion overwhelmingly show a negative effect on that woman's physical and mental health after the abortion, in spite of what the world would say. Lack of fathers in children's lives are having a dramatic effect on both boys and girls' mental health. And the stats on sexual addiction across the country are astounding. And this is where I, I, I weep and, and know this is a big str- struggle. The porn industry is targeting younger and younger people and in targeting children now and has become more and more violent and degrading. Listen to what uh, Billie Eilish recently said about her porn addiction. And if you don't know who Billie Eilish is, ask your kids or your grandkids. She's a singer, by the way. This is what she said. She said, I think porn is a disgrace. I used to watch a lot of porn. To be honest, I started watching porn when I was like 11. I think it really destroyed my brain, and I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. She had a saying that she suffered nightmares because some of the content she watched was so violent and abusive. And then now the world is pushing uh, gender as fluid and that people who identify as something other than their biological gender are better off with identifying with whatever gender they want to be. In spite of the fact that study after study on uh, sex reassignment and hormone therapy for those who identify as transgender, that those things do not help their emotional health. And the purpose of those, the sex reassignment and the, and the hormone therapy, is to help them feel better about themselves. That's the point of the surgery, but they don't, and that's what studies show. Yet the world is pushing this lie that you can be whoever you want to be. One out of every four women has experienced some sort of sexual violence at some uh, point in their life. Sexual assault and abuse are getting worse, not better and universities across the U.S. are struggling with a culture of rape. Even on some of our most progressive campuses, we have this underlying uh, rape culture. It's not getting better. In spite of all these facts and studies, the world has been deceived into thinking just the opposite. Satan has used his camouflage well here, hasn't he? And that's just one issue, human sexuality. And, and we can see how Satan is sowing lies across the world in all different issues. That was just one issue. Uh, but we fall for the lies of Satan because he is the father of lies. And his goal is to destroy your life. That's his goal. So Satan targets our trust in God. Satan targets our trust in truth and in the Bible. And we begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt the truth of the Bible. We begin to doubt even our own identity and who we are. And we begin to trust other things in our heart and our own tuition that goes against what God says. And we begin to live lives that have the opposite effect on what we want. We want to thrive and be happy and be fulfilled. But when we live these lives, we're more miserable. We're more anxious, more confused, more distracted, and less confident in God and truth. So how do we fight these lies of Satan? Good question. For that, I want to turn back to our scripture that we read earlier. Uh, I want to read it again. This is from Luke chapter 4. Hear these words again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you, I will give their glory and all this authority for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord, your God and serve only him. returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. Now this story is told in both uh, Luke and Matthew, and there's so much in this story we can look at. And And I want to remind you, if you watched the sermon last week, if you didn't, I would encourage you to go back and, and watch it. Because last week we looked at the story of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the temptation of Adam and Eve from the serpent, the devil, and, and where they fell for the lies of Satan. And there's some wonderful connection points between that story and this story of temptation. Between the story of temptation of Adam and Eve and the story of temptation of Jesus. And see here how the devil works. He uses the same uh, things. Uh, we see Jesus succeeding where we failed in the garden. And That's really the good news of this story. Jesus has been compared to the second Adam. Again, he was tempted just like Adam and Eve in the garden, but he succeeds. Adam and Eve failed in the garden. Jesus succeeds in the desert because we were exiled from the garden because of sin, and uh, and here he succeeds. Instead of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Jesus is fasting and feeding on the Spirit of God and God's Word to fight the devil. The devil tries to deceive Jesus by planting seeds of doubt into Jesus' mind about his identity. He does the same thing with Adam and Eve. In the garden, the the devil tries to deceive them by thinking, you know, you aren't this, you are this. And and the devil's doing the same thing to Jesus. Uh, Here the devil even tries to use the Bible. He quotes from the Bible. Uh, Right before Jesus has been baptized, God had told Jesus, you are my son and I love you. And here Satan is saying, if you really are God's son. He's messing with his identity, and that's how Satan works. He did that with Adam and Eve. He did that with Jesus. He does that with you as well. He's subtly trying to manipulate Jesus to find an easier way to fulfill God's desire for him, to do the right thing, but in the wrong way, an easier, smoother way. I think that's important for us to hear. He's giving Jesus what he wants. He's going to be over all the kingdom's, but he's doing the right thing the wrong way. And that's the way that that deception in which Jesus works. And so how does Jesus combat Satan? With scripture, with prayer. He's been sent to the desert by the Spirit of God in order to fight the battle. He is alone, solitude, silence. He's in prayer, he's fasting. His mind is focused on scripture. This is the way we fight. This is how we fight Satan. And this is our battle plan and the weapons that we use to combat the lies of Satan. We confidently stand in the truth of God with Scripture as our weapon, with the Spirit of God guiding us in the truth. So let me remind you again of the weapons we use to fight Satan's lies. I mentioned these two last week. We're going to talk about them briefly here. But we're, uh, but we're going to use another weapon next week, uh, that fasting Jesus does here in this story. We're going to look at it next week. But the first thing you see that Jesus is in the desert for for 40 days, he's quiet, he's alone with God. Uh, And and notice that quiet prayer isn't a place to recharge and refresh, it's actually the battlefield. Quiet prayer is the battlefield. It's where we are at war. This is where our thought patterns and our ideas are solidified and, and transformed so that in the business of life we can automatically have these truths come to mind when we're in the thick of it in the chaos so we have to spend time in quiet prayer so that we can get our minds right so we can go through the tough times so that in the tougher times and the chaos and the, the quickness of life we can combat these lies of satan and we can combat these lies of our flesh and the world around us quiet prayer is the battlefield so you have to be taking time to quietly listen to God in prayer, and to hear Him speak truth through you. But you're going to need the scripture in that as well. We need to have scriptures memorized that address those struggles that we face uh, on a daily basis. All of us face different issues, issues of identity, issues of, of sin, and uh, issues of, of truth. And so we need to have those scriptures Uh, That memorized or a part of us that we can reach out to quickly to combat those lies. We fight the enemy by choosing not to not think about the enemy's lies, but by focusing on the truth of God. We replace that lie with the truth. Uh, We don't combat it head on. We just replace it with a different understanding. It helps us see through the camouflage of the lie to the truth. We replace the lies with truth. We read scripture to form us into the image of God, to combat those lies. And we have to take great care to fill our mind with those things, with those things of truth from God and and meditate in silence and prayer on his scripture. This is how we fight Satan. This is the battlefield. So I leave you with this. Your your next step, I would encourage you to to take time to, to seek out scriptures that you can use to to notice where you you fall to lies, to notice where you're letting lies uh, fill your head and to replace it with God's truth. And and I want to pray for you as you go through this journey this week and and remind you as as we shift gears slightly next week, we're going to be looking at not the enemy's lies, but the lies we tell ourselves, the flesh that gets in our own way. And that's typically the one that uh, I battle the most. But let's let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even now, as I'm recording this, before even uh, as people are seeing this, I, I pray, Lord, that whoever is watching, that you've been working on their heart, that you're helping them to see the truth. And I would help. I would pray, Lord, that you would help reveal those lies that they've been living. Help them to turn to your word, to listen to your still, small voice. And we trust that you will empower them and that you will help them to, to live your truth, to live out the scripture. Thank you for the ways that you're moving in our midst Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you to move again. Come and bring revival to our hearts. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to beat as your heart beats. We love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you all. Y'all have a great week.